everyone in my fintech net network the minute one of those comes up on linkedin because <laughs> every single founder is like 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 yeah <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 7 of our Think Like a Brand midweek mini-series, the Rockstar CMO Epic Marketing Podcast, where we discuss thinking like a brand, specifically in industries that often don't. Who are we? Well, in a moment you'll hear from my chum Liz High, an insight ninja, marketing strategist, speaker and author has worked with some amazing brands and more recently has focused on supporting fintechs, banks and credit unions to embrace brand thinking. And I'm your host, Ian Truscott, sharing the marketing street knowledge that I've picked up in my 20-year career from techie to CMO. You can find us on LinkedIn, just search for Rockstar CMO or click on the links in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or rockstarcmo.com. This week, we'll round off our discussion about Liz's book, Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank, and I asked Liz about some recent news and commentary on Goldman Sachs' foray into the retail banking market. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome back, Liz, to Rockstar CMO FM. Think like a brand, not a bank mini series. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Jolly good. And it's um, we're recording this on Friday today, so it's not a Monday morning for you. It's a Friday morning, which is b- barely better, I think. No, it's it's a lot better, but I'm slightly envious <laughs> that you perfectly legitimately can have a glass of wine, and I'm still <laughs> having my third cup of coffee. But you know, it's all right. <laughs> Well, I just think you, my weekend will finish before yours. <laughs> your Sunday, your last Sunday evening glass of wine will be uh, will be my Monday morning. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've done the drinking. Sometimes we do the weather, sometimes we do the drinking. Um, but but um, we last week we finished serialising your book, uh, Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank. I'm doing quite well with getting the title right each time, so that's good. And we ran through all five principles over the last five episodes, uh, if people want to catch up with that. So the first of those was sometimes do the counterintuitive thing. The second, embrace tension and create contradictions. The third, cue the remix. The fourth, remember product isn't what it used to be. And the fifth, coach and compose. And I thought I might take the opportunity just to finish off our serialization of your book to ask you, what's your favourite, Liz? Yep. So I think, um, funny enough, I'm when I, I kind of posted that we'd launched last week, and I opened my LinkedIn post by saying, I know you're not meant to have a favorite child <laughs> or a favorite chapter, but the number six is is it for me. Um, yeah. So not show six, 
principle five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we confused ourselves there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Continue to mess that one up. Yeah. Uh, so for me, the coach and the composed thing is is really important because mm. there's a million really great ideas out there in the world. Yeah, but if you don't take your team, your employees your board most importantly your customers yeah those brilliant ideas won't live breathe because we don't not you know the example that that i use is you know we weren't all born knowing how to bank digitally yeah yeah so we had to be taught how to change our habits we needed to learn new ways of doing things and i think a lot of things that are revolutionary things that are really innovative People are not going to get them at first. No, no you need to show no. people how and when to to kind of use them I properly. Think, I think that, so, and I, yeah, and I think that coach compose. I mean, I mean, that's the the reason why I'm here is to apply some of these lessons to other other areas, particularly to my own. And I think that, um, I mean, I work I worked at a vendor where we had a really um, exciting brand proposition that we put together a new branding and we were going to change the direction and go completely all out on this thing and it wasn't it wasn't the culture of the organization you know the the other members of the board didn't weren't feeling it and you really if you're doing something different you really got to pull everybody along haven't you and you can't just go out on a limb and yeah. and change the world in one go yeah no so coaching composer is your favorite i love that so and we covered that as you mentioned in episode six which was the last episode uh, and covered the fifth of your principles <laughs> um so but on the topic of thinking like a brand so and why I th- it's great that you've come back on there's been some commentary on goldman sachs entering the retail banking market with mm-hmm. their brand marcus i first mm-hmm. heard about this from the professor galloway podcast prof g and it was really interesting because, and that's what kind of inspired me to some of the conversations we've been having about the importance of brand, because there's this money dude, right? I don't know if, you know, Professor Galloway is just, you know, all, what he talks about is the markets. He talks about making money and all that stuff. And he's talking about brand and the value of brand in the context of this thing, which I thought was really interesting. And that they, he recognizes the value of the Goldman Sachs brand. It's a big preamble for me, Liz, sorry about this. You will get a, a moment to speak. Okay, (laughs) but then uh, you shared with me uh, an article from the aptly named publication Financial Brand, written by Jim. Is it Maroos? Maru. Yeah, Maru. Yeah, because I know you. So in which and he cites the challenges around that Goldman Sachs were having around the product brand and finances. And to quote the the article, he says uh, their decision to create the majority of new products in house as opposed to leveraging outside providers that could create solutions more efficiently and at scales, at scale, and more relevantly relevantly to the show, which is why I feel this is a great share, is numerous rebranding efforts and created confusion in the marketplace. So, I mean, I'm guessing you've got a take on this, right, Liz? Yeah, I mean, I I have. I think that, you know, from the living in fintech world, Mm -hmm. if you looked at, you know, Marcus on paper, it would be purely if it was a startup fintech. Yeah? It would be yeah. lauded as the sparkliest unicorn <laughs> ever. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, 110 billion in deposits, 19 mm. billion in loans, 15 million customers. Yeah. But in the context of a bank culture, mm-hmm. you can't make promises to deliver 4 billion in revenue right. and show up with, 
four billion in cumulative losses. <laughs> yeah? You can do of... that in fintech. That's like no problem, yeah, because that's yeah. what you're all about. But yeah. that isn't what a traditional bank stroke brand like Goldman. Right. That's not their mindset. Right. It's not right. how they're looked at. It's not how the market sees them, mm -hmm. and it's not how they see themselves either. Mm -hmm. so, so to so, me, it's inevitable. Yeah. So they de they don't deliver on their brand promise. I mean, you're Goldman Sachs. You can't deliver four billion in cumulative losses, whereas, as you say, uh, you know somebody like Facebook or a fintech mm -hmm. or a, you know any it, it, it does it, and it's just it's just investment in the future, isn't it? It's just what we were, mm -hmm. you know, it will we will make some money at some point. Yeah, and that's you know it's it's good, and you know I think one of the 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 thoughts that you know I said I, I, my kind of favorite out of the book is the coach and compose mm -hmm. um, principle. And I think there's a big part of that at play. So if you, you know, you read all of the analysts' perspectives on why Goldman wasn't successful or as mm -hmm. successful as they wanted to be mm -hmm. with Marcus, I think a lot of it came down to uh, a cultural mismatch between the team that were hired specifically as the experts in the consumer market right. to build, create, and acquire this and the leadership of the bank. Yeah. Two diverse cultures. Right. And, you know, a point of, of clashing. So, you know, a big thing was, you know, CEO wanted current accounts. The team that were running it was saying, we don't want to do that. Right. And right. there's just not that kind of understanding from the parent bank mm -hmm. of the consumer marketplace. They just don't know it. Right. Right. So, I mean, we talked about this in, I can't remember which one of the episodes, was that actually a good strategy, a good brand strategy is to is to form a sub-brand and then experiment with a new offering um, around yeah. a sub-brand. So, I mean, they've got a great, they've got an iconic brand, right? So where, how, where did, the, was it that disconnect? Where did they go wrong? So... In my view, it's not a disconnect. And one of the things that we sort of really stress in the book is that yeah. sometimes you just have to kind of try things, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But the really important thing is when you're going to try something, yeah. you need to protect it, yeah? yeah? You need to accept that it's different. And um, one of my kind of um, – a book that was recommended to me actually by a, a client um, is a book called Loonshots. Mm -hmm. by Safi Bacall yeah. and it's such an interesting read because it's about if you look to all of the great ideas out there in the world like going to the womb um, going to the moon like chemotherapy drugs etc mm -hmm. yeah the only reason these things happened is because there were a group of people that were given the time the space mm -hmm. the tools and the autonomy right. to do something that looked kind of crazy yeah, yeah. And to me, that's a really nice analogy for what could yeah. have happened at Goldman. Right, right. If the team, you know, of yeah. experts, if the experiment in Marcus was mm. allowed to play out, right. then the outcome may have been very different. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, and, and, and a lot of these these new brands have been have been formed with far less investment right i mean uh, go you know 
these guys have have deep pockets, right? So how how did they do? You, do you know? Do you think they just didn't have the commitment that they realised they needed in order to make this happen? It, it, it has it, it it's failed from a financial perspective rather than an than the idea, right? Yeah. So it, it failed from a financial perspective, and I think a lot of it comes down to their understanding of the consumer marketplace. Right. So, for example, one of the kind of you know, well-documented challenges that they had is that the people who took out the Goldman cards in particular, mm-hmm. the Apple cards, mm-hmm. um, had much lower balances than they estimated. Okay. They were expecting people to be, you know, saving more in their savings mm-hmm. product mm-hmm. because their understanding of the consumer market was really kind of biased around more high net worth. Right. The sort of people they're used to dealing with. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's their strategy. And I think you you kind of got to respect it. They've gone, you know, we've done this. Mm -hmm. Sure, we've made some mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. But you know what we're doing? You know who we really understand is these high net worth individuals. So we're taking all this equity that we've built in the platform, all this technology that we've built in the platform, and we're going to apply it to the markets we understand. People in the wealth management mindset, high net worth individuals, and really double down into what the Goldman brand stands for, yes. which is that premier high net worth, not standard consumers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what, um, so and so you're saying that the Apple card worked from that perspective because p- people that have Apple products and that are likely to take this out have some overlap with the Goldman Sachs brand in terms of the same similar kind of aspiration. So those two brands work together is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah totally. Right. I think that, so, I mean, I don't know if you have an Apple card, but, um, okay. but you know, one of my, my friends and, and just every time she pulls that card, out, <laughs> like, it's just, useful, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It personifies, yeah. you know, the premierness because it says Goldman Sachs, it doesn't say Marcus, it's right. Apple card with Goldman Sachs and the two yeah. brands are very simpatico from yeah. a visual perspective and from an equity and values perspective. And yeah. And I think so. Uh, so Goldman Sachs, they clearly made a good decision with the Apple card because they've they've got that brand resonance going. And I think you're, you're raising a really good point about the fact that these you when you do when you think about your brand is what does it mean for the person that is going to be using your product or service? What does using your product or service say about them? And I think, and you know, on the on the topic of credit cards, I've got a couple of American Express cards. One of them's the Platinum card, and one of them's the Clear Blue card. And yeah. you know, and I solely have them because of the <laughs> the tactile nature of them and what they do and the reaction they get when I show them to people. It's yeah. very shallow. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I think there's a really, and you know, I I love what they're doing. A, a new yeah. card that's been launched in the the US called the Founders Card. Yes, yeah, and I've seen a lot of ads. For it's that. beautiful. Yeah, and it's like the product photography in their their yeah. kind of ads yeah. is amazing. And yeah. you know, every everyone in my fintech net network, the minute one of those comes up on LinkedIn, <laughs> every single founder is like, 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 like. <laughs> Yeah, because they've really nailed that concept of yeah. belonging to a brand Absolutely, and yeah. personifying your, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm a founder, you know. Yeah. 
So why didn't, they hit, yeah, why didn't they hit that with Marcus? So you're saying that they went for a wrong demographic with that, and that, so therefore the Goldman Sachs brand had, had didn't resonate with that audience. So and and so that wasn't that sim, symbiotic relationship between brand and consumer is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think the Marcus brand, I think the Marcus brand strategy was really, really solid. I mean, it's yeah. linked historically. You know, it's named after one of the founders. You know, yeah. it's a really good strategy. Yeah. But what happened, I believe, is they didn't have enough audience understanding yeah. and insight, and therefore the ability to pull the right data about the the addressable yeah. market into their business plans so i love the marcus brand for the record (laughs) yeah 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 but do you think they should have built something then more for their existing demographic and try to widen their brand appeal to that same group rather than go after a whole new segment yeah i mean i think you know there were there were business pressures for them to do it you know they they haven't diversified their yeah you know product portfolio for a long time yeah. And it's not just big banks like Marcus that go through this. You know, I, yeah. I work with community banks every day that are just under pressure mm-hmm. to, you know, build a new digital experience because they feel yeah. like they have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not- I mean, you I mean, uh, over the last six shows, I mean, we've discussed a number of examples that you've come yeah. up. With. So is there an example in your work that where this has kind of gone better for somebody? I mean, this uh-huh. is a this is a, a very large uh, very well publicized um, launch and stuff yeah. but have people got have have other um, brands or banks got this right yeah so I think you know one that that I would highlight um, is um, bank MD mm-hmm. um, which is uh, uh, was specifically created and coming back to the card thing you know yeah. when you talk customers of bank md they really love the fact that their card says bank md so instantly they go oh you're a doctor ah yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah. So it's that whole thing without purveying yeah. status it does yeah. it through the card yeah, yeah and yeah. they were really successful in identifying that if you think about certainly in america yes. you know doctors terribly well not terribly, but, you know, pretty terribly paid for the Mm -hmm. first five or six years of their career while they're training, huge student debt. Yeah. They're very unattractive from a credit perspective till they're in their late 30s, maybe. Yeah. 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 So what this bank did is that they recognized that actually they're a really great credit bet. Because unless they do something really wrong, they're on that tra- a yeah. very strong upward trajectory. Yeah. So let's take a risk on these these kind of doctors, people that are just starting the residencies. Mm-hmm. Let's um, you know, let's take a risk on them. Let's give yeah. them mortgages. Yeah, you know, yeah. let's give them loans to set up their practices, yeah. and the dividends pay off. Yeah, especially I mean, it's one of those products, isn't it, that we we don't tend to change very often. I mean, I'm mm. probably with the we're with the same bank that we were with. Um, when my wife and I got together and brought our finances together, how many, God knows how many years ago that was, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something you change on a whim, is it, your bank? Oh. So getting in early is a, always a good good chance. Yeah. I also heard something the other day that, uh, you know, the young people are the ones that are choosing their different brands that they're going to have. And then when, when people get into their sort of later years and their high spending years, they're mm-hmm. going to be um, still 
loyal to those brands where those relationships were formed much earlier in life. So, you know, if, if Bank MD does a great job by you when you're in your 20s, you're still going to be with them when you're 50s. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about that. You know, we talked a lot about this notion of tribalism. Actually, yeah. I read a really good uh, report yesterday mm-hmm. from Horizon Media over here where they kind of looked at Gen Z's. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what's really important to them, how they're making decisions and what they're influenced by. Yeah. And yeah. that really ties into the importance of, of tribalism. Mm hmm. And the whole thing about the next generation of people that are coming through for every industry, not just for banking, are going to be making decisions earlier about what they like. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. making decisions that to find companies that they feel like they're part of a tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. the branding is going to be so much more critical. It's only getting more critical yeah. as that generation pushes through. So yeah. it's a it's a really good read, actually. Yeah. Um, let me just remind myself. It's called the Gen Z. Let me just the Gen Z Field Guide. Right. And it's published by Horizon Media. It's really oh. super interesting. Um, oh, I can so- give you the link to it it's it's definitely worth the read splendid well i'll add that to the show notes along with the uh, article we were referring to earlier about goldman sachs and marcus and um that's splendid and uh, we've come up to time and uh and liz uh uh, another great conversation glad we closed out your book and really pertinent conversation about uh about marcus um and will you return next week we'll talk more about brands and banks yeah, love to. All right, good show. I'll see you then. Speak to you later. So that's a wrap on this episode of Think Like a Brand midweek mini series for the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Liz for her insight and for you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and jiving along with us. You can find all our contact details in the show notes, plus a link to Liz's book. And we are Rockstar CMO on all the socials. And if you like this, please help share the good news with a rating or review in your favourite podcast app. I'll be back as usual on our show on Saturday. I hope you join us for that. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And thanks again for listening to Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.